Lord, in, in all the songs that we sing and in the words that we say and certainly the words that are going to be conveyed from the stage right now. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified and that you would be uplifted and, and that you would be uh, the focal point of our gathering today and not that it would be the eloquence of my speech or, or a story that I may tell, Lord, but that we would look upon you and upon your grace and your mercy that has been poured out on us and that we would be compelled to live our lives differently. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that you paid for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. It is a great day to be here. And it is a great time to gather. If you have your Bible, we are going to be in Genesis 1. I made it really easy for you today. Genesis 1. I don't care if this is your first time coming to church ever in your life. This this message is for you because it's so easy to find. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28 is where we're going to be in just a minute. If you, um, for some reason, did not bring your Bible, we have strategically placed some Bibles under the chairs, maybe one in front of you or around you, and just welcome you to read that with us. At Dublin Bible Church, we think that, that the Bible has all authority and that it is the full inspiration of God. And when we open it and read it for ourselves, that uh, that's really where the work happens as we apply the truths that we kind of read about and discuss. But before we get to our scripture, I just want to kind of introduce just briefly our new series. We're going to be here for the next four weeks. It's called His and Hers. Now, this is not a time for you to like pick on your wife or your husband or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we can do that later. That'd be fine. That'd be almost like a sporting event, but not, not that, but really the purpose of this is, and, and today's just kind of like the foundation, and, and we're going to talk about this idea of uh, the image of God, but today's a foundational truth that we're really carrying on for the next three weeks after today. But it's important that we understand kind of what it means to be a man or woman, and specifically, what does it mean to be a man or woman of God? Because what we see in the world, what we see on television, is a different portrayal than the biblical ideal. So it it takes us a few weeks to kind of tread through some things. You may have some questions following these talks, and if you have questions, I would love to attempt to answer them. And if you don't have questions, I will assume that I um, spoke with crystal clear, you know, pointed clarity, and that you totally understand. Just kidding. Um, But uh, if you don't have questions... That's fine, but if you do, please feel free to come and talk to me about the truths that I'll talk about. I want to read our scripture, and then I'm going to uh, tell you a story to maybe, hopefully, help it make sense. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is talking about the creation of mankind And one of the things that I would hope that you would see, maybe from verse 26, uh, before I get into my story, it says this, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. 
What this is making reference to, and in, in this has really kind of been something all the way back in the early church fathers, Augustine kind of pointed this out, you know, a couple a thousand years ago, near about. This, when it says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, this is a reference to the Trinity, to the Trinitarian God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three in one. You've probably heard the phrase before. So even at the beginning of the scriptures, in the first book, in the first chapter, God is, is paving a way and saying, you know what? It's, it's God in three persons. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You see, I, I read this scripture and it says, and it kind of introduces the idea in verse 27, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him. You see, I go through here and I say, oh, what does that mean? Because what I experience is different than what the Bible's saying. That, okay, man was created in God's image. You know what? I've seen a lot of people who look nothing like what I believe God to be. Amen to that? If you're sitting next to that person, do not give an elbow right now. Though I would be the only one seeing it, it would be embarrassing. Don't do that. But it's one of those things in life, we go through and we see things different than what the Bible talks about. So I thought that for us, as we, when we talk about the roles of man and woman, what the Bible says about that, it starts here. But what we see at home and what we see in our workplace and what we see with our extended families and what we see with our neighbors is different than this. The idea of being in the image of God. And really, we're not going to talk about this. Uh, I'll mention it, but I'm not going to get into the scripture of it. But something happened in Genesis 3, two chapters beyond what we're reading today. And it's the fall of man. It's the fall of man. So the reason why it doesn't look like this, you say, well, we were all created in God's image. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense because there's a lot of evil in the world. The fall of man that happened in Genesis 3, Genesis 3 rather, tainted Everything. I'll say it this way, um, by sharing my story. When I was a little kid, I used to go to the carnival. Anybody go to carnivals? I mean, like old school carnivals, like scary carnivals, like like carnies, like that had more ink than like the big factory. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And you're like, wait a minute, that that really looks like a prison tattoo. I mean, that is not. That is that scary stuff. Uh, I used to really, it was one of the few times I grew up in a, in a small town in Illinois, and that was like the highlight of the year. So I know it's a low standard, I know, but that's what I had. So I remember as a little kid that, that my, my parents would give my brother and I like $20 to spend all weekend, right? That's back when it would actually work. Now, that would be like the entrance fee to go in to watch people ride rides, you know? But... We would have this $20, and we'd go there on Friday, and they'd be opening up the, the carnival, and, and, and we'd try and stretch it out as far as we could into Sunday. But one of the things that I remember distinctly, and it was always set up this way, it was always set up this way, that you would, you would enter the carnival, and it was all had like the little barricades because they didn't want anyone, you know, they wanted to keep everything contained and all the rides contained. And I used to have to walk through this barricade all the way to the back of where the, the, the grounds where the carnival was, and that's where... The fun house was. Does anybody know what the fun house is? The fun house is awesome. That's what the fun house is. The fun house is one of those things. It's like, it's like a tractor trailer that somehow miraculously they like unfold and do all this. And then all of a sudden it, it's like a big play place for kids. I remember that the, the fun house was the thing that I wanted to do over and over and over again. Mainly because I didn't like rides that went in circles. 
because my stomach went in circles for three days after those rides. So what, I would love to go into the fun house and, and run through literally like a banshee and they had the things that hang down and you'd go through it like, you know, like you're running through a, a, you know, a lineman on a football team and you'd go through all these things and they had the big wheel that was spinning that looked like a, a, a great big uh, pipe and it would be spinning around and you'd have to run through it fast. And it was always kind of comical because there was always the little kid who wasn't quite fast enough and it would go around and knock his feet out from under him and he would just sit in there and cry a little bit. Uh, I'm... Please don't judge me. You would have laughed too. But, but it's one of those things that, that I remember the fun house, but the thing that is, and it was always the same carnies. It was always the same carnival. It was always the same outfit. And I believe they came from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, every year into the Wit Carnival. That's what I remember. But I remember going inside the fun house and going through all these things. And then you'd go back, in this, back into this room, and it was just a, a very small room. But there was something very distinct about this room. As you go into the room, there's a, there's a, a life, a full-size mirror, at least for a child, and it was like the perfect image. It was exactly what you look like in the mirror at home, right? Whether you like that or not, that's who you are. So I, it was like the mirror, and it was like the perfect mirror. I mean, you could see yourself, and it looked great, but there was a transition in the funhouse. If you would step over to the left, there was a little transition in the mirror, and it, had, it was a, a rippled mirror. And guess what would happen to that image? it would change. You could still recognize yourself, but you looked a little bit different than what you did in the regular mirror. You see, that's the same thing that has happened to us before the fall of man and after the fall of man. Before the fall of man, it would be a perfect portrayal as you look in the mirror. And we, we being mankind, Adam and Eve, we were, we were made in God's image. There was no sin entered into the world. There was no evil. There was no fear. All of these great and wonderful things they were, they were supposed to do and they were living the life they were supposed to. But then in the fall of Genesis 3, the image changed. They're still recognizable. You can still see themselves, but it just didn't come, it doesn't come through as clear as before the fall. It just didn't come through as clear. But we look at that and we say, okay, well, pastor, I get it. Okay, that, that makes sense. I like the fun house. I remember the kid going around in circles. I, I, I remember that. And I did laugh. You know, you go through all these things. But here is where it brings us to. It brings us to, okay, if we were created in the image of God, what are some of the, the deeper lying things that we have to understand about this? And the first one, that I would like to share with you is taken from Genesis 26 and 27. I'll read it again. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is not some science fair project gone bad. This isn't some human genome project. This isn't like something that grew out of a petri dish. God created man and woman. And he created them differently for a design purpose. First takeaway from this morning, if you're a note taker, this would be something that you would probably want to write down. That God made all mankind by intelligent design and with a defined purpose. You see... 
You may ask yourself, uh, Pastor, I know I've, I've kind of heard this before, and you might have, but to get where we're going, this has to be the starting place. For us, God made all mankind by intelligent design. You weren't an accident. And God created you with a defined purpose. I know, I know many times we feel like, like hamsters in an aquarium, and every once in a while we get to run on the wheel, and it's exhausting, and then we get off the wheel, and we feel like all of our life exists in this little bubble, and we can't do anything, and, there, and we, we kind of live without purpose. But I want this to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you have gone through this week. I don't know what life has done to you, but I want you to know that you were made... Very unique. And you were made with a defined purpose. With a defined purpose. There's a scripture. This is from the message translation of the Bible. And I think this will, will help us. And it says this in Ephesians 1.11. It says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, He had His eye on us. I love that image that he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall uh, purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. What the first part of that speaks about, it's, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Who we are. What is that? It's who we are. That's talking about the intelligent design that God created us. And he created us each unique as man and woman. That's how we find out who we are. It's not by, by looking at some, some television show or something, the, the music that we listen to. We're not defined by where we work. We're not defined by how much money you have in the bank. We're defined by who we were, we were created by. And it's only in Christ, as Ephesians 1.11 says, it's only in Christ can we really, truly find our purpose in life. Only in Christ. And yet, the problem with this is, many of us live in existence outside of Christ. And we do feel like that hamster stuck in an aquarium, sitting on a shelf. We have no influence. We, we just exhaust ourselves. Every once in a while, we get to run on the wheel. Yay. And we have a little bit of fun, and then we get off the wheel. And sometimes that's what life brings us. But I want you to know, and I, I want you to, to just rest in this. You were created very unique. And you have a purpose in this world. And the purpose is not so you can live some existence sitting on a shelf in an aquarium. It's because God, I believe this in, in my whole heart, that God wants you, you, everyone who may hear this message in here or hear it online or hear it on iTunes or wherever you may hear this message through, that God created each person with a defined purpose. Now, the problem is, if we don't seek Christ, we won't find our purpose. If we don't seek Christ, we won't find our purpose. And we, we, try, and, we try and fill in that gap in other areas, but it's only in Christ, as Ephesians 1.11 says. It's only in Christ that we find our purpose. Another thing from the scripture. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, we're image bearers not just by what we have, 
but by what we do. See, this is a little transition. I hope that you saw that. We are image bearers, not just by what we have. It isn't just, the okay, we have these couple of things, which are great and wonderful things. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that God has put in us what we call, in part of God's goodness to each person, Christian and non-Christian, are these communicable attributes. And of these attributes that God has given us, there are love, mercy, justice, truth. God has given us all these things. It's just common grace that God has given to all men and women. And you see, we're image bearers not just by what we have, not just by, oh, well, I can, I can be a good person and I can strive to do good things and I can, I can do this and I can do that. What, what is the focal point of what I just said? Us. You see, God created us in such a way that it's not really about us. Because we're image bearers not just by what we have, by what we do. You see, it isn't that we just have this image and wow, this is, I was creating the image of God and now you can live whatever way you want. He has given each and every person distinctly, man and woman distinctly, this, these attributes in these what we call communicable attributes. That mean they, they're shared to all men and women that we can bring good into the world even if we're not a Christian. But we can do so to our heir. Because if you don't find your, your purpose in life through Jesus Christ, we will do all those things in vain. We'll do all those things in vain. As a matter of fact, the, the scripture says this, and I, I pray that this would, this would minister to you. John fifteen thirteen, speaking of Jesus, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That he would lay down his life for his friends. That there's no greater love you see, the essence, the reason why that you and I this morning can bring good into the world is because God poured out Himself through Jesus Christ right here, dying on a cross, resurrecting, proving to, to mankind forever that peace is possible through Him. And He says, you know what, there's, there's no greater love than the love of somebody who would lay His life down for His friends. Somebody who would just pour his life out. And that's exactly what Christ did to us. So not only did God create all mankind by intelligent design and with a defined purpose, we know that, and I hope you've embraced that truth this morning, but also then that we're, that we're image bearers, not just by what we have, but also by what we do. This isn't a, a trophy and say, well, I was created in the image of God. It's something that you should say, you know what? If you, have, if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you should be able to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I need to find my purpose in life. And my purpose in life, as the Bible clearly teaches, is not that we would live our life for ourselves, to please ourselves. Not that we would be that you know that we would be on the front page of me magazine and we would be the editor of me magazine and all the articles are about me and and all of the advertisements are about me and it, it's all about me and promoting ourselves because i'll be honest with you he's he's left us on this earth to be witnesses in our community witnesses in our family and if it's all about us you don't have a message to tell i'll be honest with you you're not that interesting you're really not neither am i And there's something also that we see here that, that kind of is foundational to where we're going in the weeks to come. That God has created man and woman distinctly. 
I know that TLC may have a show coming out next week that probably says something different, that a man was actually created as a woman and a woman was actually created as a man and some things went wrong. Let me tell you, God doesn't make mistakes, people do. God doesn't make mistakes, people do. So no matter what culture tells you, no matter what TV show validates it, I'm telling you from the Word of God, you were created uniquely in the image of God and all men and women have specific roles that they are supposed to fill on the earth. You see, one of the things that we are supposed to do, and if you want to know more about this, um, this idea that I'm going to mention from uh, verse 28, Psalm Psalm 8 um, actually goes into greater detail of what I'm going to discuss right now, the idea of dominion. How God has, and you see in verse 28, it says, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. By the way, that means make babies. That's what that means. And subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He's saying subdue it, claim dominion. Humans have dominion. God has placed us to be people who not just who have dominion and and we get to do whatever it is. We have to be good stewards of the world that God has given us. We're not to worship creation. We're supposed to worship the Creator. Right? Amen to that? As a matter of fact, I, I want to share just a very brief story of something that happened yesterday. I love, to, I love to establish dominion of my yard when snakes enter my yard. I do. I claimed dominion yesterday. I was trimming some trees, and I have no idea what kind of snake it was, but there's only one good, or there's only one snake, and it, and it should be a dead one. And it was about eye level, so I knocked it down off the tree because I wasn't man enough to grab it by my hand, right? So I knock it off the tree, and I get it down, and I claim dominion, and it doesn't have a head anymore. I'm just letting you know. We claim dominion on those areas, but I have to tell you, some people go through, and they'll say, okay, what does dominion mean? Dominion means that we have to be good stewards of what we're given. We have to be good stewards of what we're given. Some people say, well, now you're just using this as an excuse to go hunting. I do like to hunt, and I do, think that that's a, I do think that that is claiming dominion of being responsible hunters. I realize that's huge in middle Georgia, and, and hunting is to be responsible and claiming dominion. You can be careless in those areas. But, but if for some reason you're not a hunter and you're not okay with hunting, I just want to ask you this question. Right? I'm not trying to prove a point about hunting, but I'm just going to say this. Do you cut your grass? And everybody would say, or your neighbor would say, cut your grass, right? If you cut your grass, you're already claiming dominion. You're just claiming dominion on the plants. It's one of those things. God has placed us here with the defined purpose. It's not that we would seek the glory in ourselves. When, we when we are responsible with the creation that God has given us, and he's given us rule, authority, and dominion over the earth until he returns, and then we don't have to do that anymore. But he has done those things, and he has allowed us to claim dominion over plants, animals, and one of those things. And you know what? I realize where we live, and you're like, you know, Pastor, I get it. Man, that was just music to my ears. I like these kinds of things. But here's where the problem happens. People try and claim dominion over other people. People try and claim dominion over other people. I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've gone through and... And, and I've, specifically, I've counseled like men and women and they'll go through and it goes back to one trying to claim dominion over the other. And I'll sit back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you guys on the same team? Aren't you on the same team? Then let's work together. It's not a matter of claiming dominion over other people. And I, I mean, 
I haven't always been a minister. I was in aviation for 10 years. I had people trying to claim dominion over me all the time and try and control, right? And that's how it works. And, they, and they, dominion also works itself by, by controlling and manipulating. I know that. I know that. And sometimes that happens in our workplace. Sometimes our bosses do those things. And those, those aren't God-honoring. They're really not. But I think the standard that, that we should be compelled to live is different. And a scripture that I, I want to share in that regard is from Jesus' mouth. And this is what it says in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven through 38. Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus says. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself as the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says, I'm going to summarize all of the 612, 613 laws of the Old Testament. I'm going to summarize it into two. And the second one does not mean that you get to claim dominion. Instead, it says, and it really speaks into John 15, it says, greater love is no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. So as, as you and I, we're not supposed to be claiming dominion on our spouse. We're not supposed to be claiming dominion on our kids. It isn't that we are the rule and authority. Everybody is subject to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And everybody should say amen to that. So for you and I this morning... We should be compelled by Jesus' words. And he says, you know what? I want to break it down very simply. Love God and love other people. Love God and love other people. I know that we're different. God made man, all mankind by intelligent design and with a defined purpose. I know that the purpose for you is going to be different than the purpose for me. But they're all important to work out the greater good in the world that we live in. And that we're all image bearers. Even we're image bearers by the roles and you will see even by the way that we're created. And I would like for you to go to Genesis 2. Maybe on the same page. You might have to flip one. Genesis 2, we're going to start in verse 4. And what I, I want to show you at this point is this. that we even find our purpose as man and woman, it goes all the way back to the way that God, in the distinct way that God created man and that God created woman. And I will elaborate more on this in the weeks to come. First is the account of Adam. This is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, this is important. Birth order, in, in the human birth order is important. And this is important in the roles of men and women. Now, just want to speak clearly, there is a difference here. I will talk about it briefly today, and then we're actually going to see this more in two weeks. But even in the birth order, it speaks into the purpose and design that man and woman and how they were, they were created differently, but yet equally. Verse 15 through 22. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and of the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib uh, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. You see, the Lord looked upon Adam. Adam didn't have it all together, right? He didn't have it all together. He wasn't going to be able to accomplish everything. He, didn't, he, he wasn't going to be able to commune with an aardvark. He wasn't going to be able to commune with an, with an elephant. So what he decided to do, and the Lord decided to do, And he says, in verse 18, he says, It's not good for man to be alone. Anybody who's been married for any amount of years would also be able to say, Amen. It is not good that man would be alone. He says, I will make a helper, a helper suitable for him. That's not a a diminished role for women. This is a great role for women, and you'll see in the next few weeks. Skipping ahead at the end of verse 20, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. He had looked, Adam went through, and he's looking at the animals, and he's like, nope. Woo, I hope it's not that one. Nope, that, not going to pass the test. Not going to work, not going to work, not going to work. Goes through, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. You see, interesting here. Adam... Lord puts him into a deep sleep. Woman is created from the rib, which is an interesting little parallel because men and women, specific, and this speaking of uh, really of, of marriage, but the woman and the man are supposed to be side by side. There's not, now their roles are different. We'll talk about that. Their roles are different, but they're side by side in caring for creation, caring for their children and doing all of these things. I believe in what we'll see next week is, is that the best way to really summarize this is that they complement each other by the roles that they were given. They, they complement one another. But Adam was created from the dust of the earth. Woman was created by what? Adam's rib. To not, not let Adam walk over her, and not that she's an underling, but yet that they would be side by side. Great picture of marriage. And those of you, I just want to encourage you if, you, if you are married, to just hang in there. Hang in there. There's, there's no greater relationship you can have on earth that is more of, of the picture. And Scripture talks about this. There's, there's no better relationship that you will ever have that is closer to understanding the relationship between uh, the, the Lord's relationship with us is God and Trinity and just the, the connection and the relationship that, that men and women have in marriage. 
But you see, even in the creation of man, and God points out that, that Adam was created first, then woman was created directly after him because there was no suitable helper for him, and Adam needed some help, right? He needed some help. And God went, has gone through, and yet what I want to show from this is that man and woman were uniquely created. They were uniquely created. That when we go through, and I, I, I kind of jabbed at a TLC show, because culture will show us that things are different than what the Bible says. And this is, these are biblical, perfect, what I believe to be perfect biblical ideals. This is what we should strive for. This is what we should try and better understand. This is what we should rally our marriage, our relationship, and our lives around are the truths found in, in this book. And I know that there may be, you know, I said, well, uh, okay, are you saying that women are inferior to men? No, I'm not. Because I also believe in this, I want to show you on the screen, everybody to see this. This is taken from Galatians 3, verse 28. It says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one. Meaning, we're what? We are all image bearers of God. The way that, that you are created, and we would all agree that men and women are created differently. Even in the way that you live out the image that God has put in you, and you draw out those attributes that I talked about, and the more that you, that you fix your life to, to Christ Jesus' appeal for you, the better the image that you portray. The more you look like Jesus, the more you get back to where, remember the the whole mirror illustration of before the fall, it was a perfect picture. Not that they were perfect people, but before sin had entered, it was a perfect picture of God's ideal, creating the image of God. And then when we looked at, remember the, the wavy mirror, it was the change after the fall of man in Genesis 3. Oh, how I wish everything went back to Genesis 1 and 2. As a matter of fact, a lot of people kind of break the Bible up into this. Genesis 1 and 2, and then Genesis 3. That's how some people break the Bible up, because it it changed things so much in Genesis 3, and trying to get back to God's ideal. But the truth in Galatians 3.28 is really something, I I want you to write this down. I I want you to have this in your mind, because this will clear up a lot of disparity that we're going to have in the weeks to come. That even in the roles that we have as men and women, even in, 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 in male and female, and we were both created in the image of God. We were both created in the image of God. That isn't that one is a better image bearer. It isn't a matter of that. But we we're both created in the image of God. And it says that with Christ, it says you're all one in Christ Jesus. So this brings it all back around, that each and every one of us have a unique and defined purpose as man and woman. Not that we would lord over one another, not that we would control one another, not that we would manipulate one another, but that that you and I would say, you know what, we are one in Christ Jesus. And if you're married this morning, we should be trying to draw out the better of the other individual. And the way that we do that isn't by pointing out all their faults. That's the easy thing to do. It's by filling in their gaps. It's by filling in their gaps. But it requires us to get close to one another. 
But I think if going back, if we would understand that we that we were all made by intelligent design and with a defined purpose, and a second half of that purpose is we were created to give God glory. We were not created to take the glory for ourselves. And I believe if we if we if we we let this sink into our lives, that we were created for God's glory and not our own, that it would radically change our relationships because I wouldn't be trying to, to lord over my wife and my wife would not be trying to lord over me and I wouldn't be trying to lord over other people and likewise. But yet we would go through and say, I want to give God glory in everything I do. Well, how do I do that? By looking out and drawing out the best in the person who's next to me. It takes work. It's hard. And I would say this this morning. The greatest gift you could give yourself is a new identity in Christ. Because if you're not walking with Christ this morning, to be honest with you, you have no hope whatsoever. You have no hope. You're you're a ship lost at sea. That's what you are. But if you... If you find Christ and you accept Christ into your life, then you will, you will better understand the purpose of which you were created for. Not to glorify yourself. Not to glorify the creation. Not to glorify your marriage. Not to glorify anything else that you see in culture, but that we will glorify God in all things. It takes grit. It takes determination. It takes what I call some spiritual sweat. That's what it takes. And it takes asking some hard questions. One of the questions I want to ask you this morning is, are you drawing out the best in your spouse? Or are you trying to live your life for your betterment? Because once you entered into the commitment and the covenant that marriage is, a covenant with God, and not just just man, but covenant with God, then you already signed into saying, you know what? I... I'm supposed to live my life more compelled to live like Christ, even in my marriage, so it's not about me. It's a matter of what Christ is doing in me, but also, what is Christ doing in my, my wife? What is Christ doing in my kids so we can draw out the best in each other and not try and take the credit ourselves? It requires us to ask some hard questions and say, you know what, um, do I think that, that men and women are equal? Do you believe that women are inferior? I, I grew up with this mindset that women were inferior to men. And, and if I'm blatantly honest with you this morning, I had no idea that, that we were both created in the image of God. I didn't receive Christ until later in life. I didn't even understand that. I didn't realize that, that we were equals in Christ. I didn't get all of that. But one thing that I have to ask you this morning is, do you believe that women are inferior? Men, do you believe that, that your wife is inferior to you? If so, you have strayed away from what the Bible says to be true. You strayed away. And maybe for you, you need to take a step closer and ask yourself some tough questions. Maybe you need to, to ask, ask your spouse and just say, am I drawing out the best in you? Am I selfish? That's a tough one. Am I selfish? Because I believe if we ask those questions of one another, and they're tough questions, that it will draw out the best in you and it will draw out the best in the other person. And the stronger that your marriage is, the more you find out what your role as a man and your role as a woman, the more glory we give to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we want to do? 
So as we go into the next three weeks after this, we have to understand that God created us each with unique purpose. And it's to give Him glory in all things. Give Him glory in, in our finances. Give Him glory in our marriage. Give Him glory at work. I know that's a tough one. You've got to do that there too. Give glory in, with your extended family and the way that you love your kids. Everything. But then also, that we are all image bearers in the way that we were created. That we were created in the image of God, male and female. But yet, as male and female, we were created distinctly. And that's the truth we're going to get into. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, we honor you, we praise you. I pray, Lord, that you would just fill in all the gaps of things that maybe I have, have left undone unknowingly. I pray, Father, that you would just make this message sink into people's minds and hearts, that they would be challenged by what the Word says and that they would be inspired to do something with it. And God, as a church and as individuals, I hope this is all of our prayers that, that we don't want to seek any of that glory for ourselves, And Father, we want to get back to the perfect as, as we can be, as, as Christ is, is sanctifying us and, and redeeming us. Lord, we want to get back to being better image bearers of you. We just thank you, Jesus. Amen.